to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering Menu, Food, and Drink for both brands. I'm talking with Mawa McQueen, chef and owner of Mawa's Kitchen and the Crepe Shack in Aspen, Colorado. Mawa grew up in an immigrant family in France and was educated at a leading culinary school in Paris. But when she graduated, she was only offered dishwasher jobs. She made her way to England to work as a nanny so she could learn English and realize her dream of coming to America, a country she saw portrayed on TV as a place where Blacks could excel. She started in front of house jobs here, then became a personal chef, caterer, and restaurant owner, experiencing several business failures along the way. I didn't give up, Mawa said, and now she operates several businesses, including a granola company she began during the pandemic. Listen as Mawa shares her story and her plans for the future. Welcome, Mawa. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's really a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. So let's start by you telling me a little bit about your culinary and entrepreneurial journey to become a restaurateur. What were some of the steps? Along? Uh, um, how many hours we have? <laughs> Well, you could take as long as you want. Well, I I went to a vocational school and then uh, I went to, I did two years of culinary school and uh, I couldn't find a job in France. Everybody wanted me to, um, to do dishes or, you know, so I kind of refused and um, I said to myself, oh, you know, America have a lot of people who look like me and have a job. You know, great job. So I decided that I'm going to go to America. Bear in mind, I don't have a job. I don't have anything. The only thing I have is my diploma from the culinary culinary school. And um, so I moved to England Uh to learn English and uh, uh, as an au pair. And And then I start from the bottom. Something that I didn't want to do. Because when you, you know, you come from... um, and the elite culinary school, like I did, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's lined up to 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 call you to to work everywhere. But because I was a female and I was black, that we didn't have that. No, absolutely no. So it was a little reality check for me because you know we never. I, that's one of the biggest thing that was the roller coaster for my life. Actually, my. Um, because you know, growing up in Paris, I never experienced any racism or any 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 other thing except we live in a ghetto. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I learned that's how I learned how to cook um, because I was taking care of my brother and sisters, and apparently that's the only thing that I can do since I wasn't very academic person like you know study like I wasn't very like <laughs> you know some people can can read 20 book and remember no mm-hmm. I was just the boss of the house mm-hmm. then brother and sister I will cook and it's something that I did I didn't think about it right you know so and I'm like well I'm good at it you know sometimes you don't know your purpose so it's not like you know I woke up I was like oh my god I'm gonna cook you know when you hear people I'm like Excuse me. No, I didn't. It wasn't something that, that I love to do either. You know, I did what I had to do and I started loving it. Right. Yes. Uh, and I was good at it. 
Let's face it. Yeah, cooking for your family is definitely, a, you know, good training. What, um, what country is your family from originally? Ivory Coast, Ivory Coast. We say Cote d'Ivoire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're from there. And we moved to Paris when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So having, now finding a job that I'm supposed to get was something that made me think. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do dishes. I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to do none of the things that they say I ought to do. And back in the day, like that was like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They didn't have really like, black people used to do just the, the dishes. You know, we didn't have black chefs. It, it was inconceivable. Even in my school, it was only two of us. Mm. And, and I remember even going to stage somewhere because it was an elite school. Everybody was supposed to stage in five star, five diamond. I got to stage in three because, but I didn't think of it. I didn't, I, I didn't think anything of it, mm. you know, uh, because we were not raised like people here all remember very racism, remember very, you know, I didn't have that. Right. I just said to myself, okay, nobody want to hire me as a, as a chef. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And England was a, a good place, but ultimately America was the goal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm seeing the Cosby show, <laughs> All the black people that I see on TV, they are American. So over there, at least, I'm sure I can make it, you know. Um, so I moved to England to learn English. And then now uh, it was so funny because, the again, I wanted to be in the kitchen. And they're like, you're too pretty to be in the kitchen. Do you want a friend of the house? And I was like, for real? <laughs> okay, well, at least I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you know my you know my training in hospitality mm-hmm. started so in front of a house and um I will always cook for my friends you know because that's what I would train and I was very good restaurant manager because while I knew all the dishes all the thing mm-hmm. you know um but it's true that um it actually helped me a lot to choose what I wanted to do. And then, um, of course, finally, 10 years after, I finally won the green card lottery. <laughs> and I show up here. And so where did you actually um, land or you know, start out when you got to America? I landed in Kennebunkport, Maine. Oh. That was something. Yeah. <laughs> I was no no no. You know, I you know when I was in England, I was watching Oprah, everything. I'm like, I'm gonna go somewhere and don't be like, oh my God. <laughs> I landed in Kennebunkport, Maine. I didn't know where that was. I had no idea. I just wanted like the first job that I got, I just went for it. <laughs> Opportunity. Right. So I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Where's all, where are all the black people here? <laughs> Not zero. <laughs> but it was a very, very good experience for me. Uh, I was working um, at Striper Fish Shack. It's kind of, uh, it was um, a new restaurant that the owner who had the Relais Chateau had. And I was also working at the Relais Chateau, again, in front of the house. And I got to meet amazing people. And then after that... Mm-hmm. Uh, after the summer, 
they told me that um, the winter was harsh here. I'm like, well, excuse me, I come from Paris. Okay, we have winter and we ski. So they asked me where if there's any other place I wanted to visit. I'm like, well, okay. why don't I go to Aspen like all the bougie people? Because back in the day, I was watching Young and the Restless mm-hmm. and they had a romantic scene in Aspen. Okay, and we as a French people, even though we were living in the ghetto, we actually get to go on on a clash de neige, we call it like it's a mandatory thing. You learn how to ski, you you know, and in April, we all go for one week. It doesn't matter. You don't have the money. The government will pay for it. So it was it was fun. So we we know how to ski. So I said to myself, (laughs) I'll go to Aspen. (laughs) Wow. That's like on the other side of the country from Kenny Bunkport. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm, I'm just saying that as a joke. I, I'm not, I don't even believe what I'm saying to that person who asked me, where do you want to go? Right. And then say, yes, we can arrange that. And I'm like, arrange what? <laughs> I thought I was joking. <laughs> and, and she said, no, there is a relay chateau in Aspen. And I'm like, huh? Okay. <laughs> Tell me more. (laughs) You can go there for three months and come back. Okay. And and we set up everything because we do that usually, you know, with all the Valais Chateau, we trade staff and all that. I'm like, you're telling me I'm going to go to Aspen like all the bougie people? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to Aspen. So that's how I landed here. Oh, interesting. Yes. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it is quite a story. So tell me a little bit about, um, so when you were in Aspen, you still, you mm-hmm. didn't start a restaurant right away. I'm working in a restaurant the way I want it. Okay. I'm doing what I, I'm supposed to do. And that's it. And then the, one of the things that happened is that um, one of my, one of the clients at the little Nell came and said, do, do you mind helping me out for the holiday? I have family coming. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And she's like, it's $50 an hour. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Don't worry, whatever. I'll go. I'll do dishes if you have to. Uh-uh. I'm coming. So I get there, and she was making Christmas dinner, and it was a mess. Okay? This is this powerful woman. She's extremely powerful. We're not, we're not going to give a name. No. And she tried to make dinner for her family. In this beautiful, big old house. And then <laughs> I come there, I'm like, oh my God, what's going on here? And I'm, and I'm like, she's like, oh, so you're going to be serving and help us? And I'm like, ah, okay. And I stood there for 10 minutes and I'm like, you can see that it's, this is not going to work. Mm. Okay. The whole Christmas meal was <laughs> I'm not gonna come out. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know what? What about I'm gonna call one of my friends to come and then I'm gonna do what you're doing. If you don't mind, I told her. And she's like, you know how to cook? <laughs> I'm like, I think I can manage this. <laughs> so she went to the living room. She was like, oh my God, she was almost in tears and 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 she was kind of frustrated right 
So I called my friend. I'm like, okay, you do you set up the table and I'm going to finish dinner. So of course I did everything. She could not believe it. She's like, so why are you doing at the little nail serving people, Mawa? <laughs> and I was like, I make good money. <laughs> and then uh, she said, you need to do something else. And I was like, for real? And then she came back again and she hired me as a private chef. So the first time I did it, she hired me as a private chef and she paid me more. And I did a lot of things for her. And, and then she's like, you need to open your own business. I'm like, yeah, because people are going to, you know, you're the exception because people are going to call me and hire me as a chef, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and, 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 and um, she said, well, you need to try, you know? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to try because I'm sick and tired of working for other people. I'm going to try. So I become a private chef. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, uh, (laughs) This is the funniest thing that I did. So because I didn't have a place to cook, a private chef you cook out of people's house, but sometimes, you know, you have to do the prep somewhere. Right. And in order to register in Aspen, you need to show that you have a commercial kitchen. It was the hardest thing to find. So I put, I, I put I'm like, okay, I'm a private chef, so I do everything at people's house. And I put a name that I didn't use the name catering. I put home dining services. <laughs> so to, to, and, and then uh, finally I find uh, a place uh, to cook out of it. But, you know, it was in downtown Aspen. It was outside of Aspen in a business center that I could afford. And then and I added the catering portion of it. And I started dreaming big. It's almost like, you know, Oprah always say that, you know, when you're so aligned with your purpose, mm-hmm. everything makes sense. It's like, I'm supposed to do this. I like everything makes so much sense. And like, how it becomes so powerful, like meaning I know where I'm going. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to, I'm going to create the biggest catering company. I'm going to be like, um, <laughs> I start dreaming big. Mm-hmm. You know, the how, I didn't know. I'm like, you know, it's so funny because for a year I, I, I lay low and then suddenly I just emerge, you know, out of the blue because I, I guess I accepted my, maybe the, the boss of myself and, and uh, having a goal and, and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Great. So you became an entrepreneur kind of accidentally, but. You knew that was accidentally. I say I was in denial because many times I took position because I was a restaurant manager. Okay. Many times, you know, I advanced my career and took position, but I think I was kind of afraid. And I said to myself, who am I Mm. to want to do more as a working class, you know, be a restaurant manager or a private chef. I mean, you're right. I didn't need more. You know, right. so I was just, I was just, oh no, I, and what about if I fail? You know, I was, you know, it was in the back of my head because mm-hmm. every single person that I know fell. Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't use accidental. I will use, I was in denial. It was there, but I never tap into it. You know, 
But then you took a really big risk and opened a restaurant. Now, that's really something that's more scary, in my opinion, than starting a catering business. So how did you make that move? Now you can use the accidental. (laughs) (laughs) So how I use the... Basically, it's very simple, serious in the seriousness and altruousness, you know. I had a catering company. I was doing the private jet. I was private chef catering. It was okay. It was very hard to, for us to keep staffing because we are a seasonal place. And imagine, so you have a family that come here and that hire me for 30 days. Okay, it's a big chunk of my money. And then they cancel. Mm-hmm. then I have nothing. I can't pay my bill and it's very hard to replace, to find another family or someone. So it was very inconsistent. And I said to myself, okay, uh, what should I do? What should I do? We, I need to find consistency and balance to keep my staff employee year round. So I don't also have a problem when I have big party, then I can't find people to work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So I say, okay. And then, in the other hand, too, all my friends, they're like, oh, my God, we can't even uh, get to eat you. We don't get to eat your food anymore because you're so busy and there's no, you only cook for the bougie people, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> we can't afford you. And I said to myself, what about if I make something affordable, something that I want to eat in a business center because I'm in a biz- Aspen business center. Mm-hmm. something that's going to be great, something that they're going to fuel my body. I'm sure all the workers want something different than all this fry stuff and things like that. So I was thinking about myself, my friend, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to open only lunchtime so that I have the morning to do catering and I have the night to do catering to just have hire four people that are going to be there. That's how the whole thing started. Wow. And then, and then that was Mawa's kitchen. Did you know? That was, Ma, that was Mawa's kitchen. And I was like, oh my God. And the first, honestly, the first three years I cried. Mm. I cried hard because I said, what have I done? <laughs> Stick to catering. Working long hours. I didn't see, I didn't pay myself. I was in debt. It was like, you know, even paying my employee was mm. something. There's so much more when you're a restaurant than when you just do catering. Done. You got your money. Now this one, you have the bills coming in. And then, oh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and the margin, the margin are horrific. Right. You sell a breakfast burrito, for example, for 10 bucks, you're not even making $3 out of it. And that doesn't pay your rent. Mm. But yet people are complaining that, oh, it's so expensive. And then dumb me, I'm making everything from scratch, literally. And killing myself. I even make my bread for the sandwiches. I'm making everything from the focaccia, white bread. I mean, and I say, oh, I want everything healthy, everything good. Those people didn't want to. They want the greasy food for three dollars, mm. you know. And I was like devastated. And I'm like, this is so bad. And and uh, 
lot of time I wanted to give up and I didn't because again, I couldn't put myself to give up. I was like, uh-uh, I'm sure this is a lesson. There's something God is telling me. I'm not, I'm not getting it, but I am not giving up. So after three years, how did you get, after three years, what happened? So funny enough, I didn't even know that I was, so what I did is the first thing I did, I went to Tony Robbins, uh, Unleash the Power Within. Mm-hmm. Okay. I went to Tony Robbins and it was the haha moment for me. Mm. Okay. Because I haven't prior experienced failure. And this is, it was, I was accumulating failure. You know, I did the, I did the catering and then I did something called wine in hill, you know, women in charge of what they're drinking and that didn't work out. I did meal drop off that didn't work out. So everything that I, I felt like I was touching was going to dust. Mm. Seriously. Including my, my catering company that I, put as a restaurant now, I was devastated. So I took the last money, my last credit card, mm. and I said, I need help. I don't think I can do it. I said to my husband, this is it, I'm depressed. Mm. And I went to unleash the power within. He almost divorced me because that was our last credit card. Oh. <laughs> and I told him, he's coming. You have a try. I already bought the ticket. So, <laughs> so we went and it happened to be the best thing. You know, sometimes you need that. You need those people to tell you that failure is okay. It's a learning experience. You need that. You know, I didn't know how powerful I was. Mm. I didn't know that that was part of the process, you know? So there's a lot of things that I did not know. And, 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 you know, how to be entrepreneur and what does the word entrepreneur mean? Mm. I had the spirit, but I didn't act. And I just, I'm like, okay, we are not giving up. I came back. I'm like, we're going to keep going. If it's the menu, we're going to change the menu. If it's this, we're going to change this. But nobody, I'm here and I'm here to stay. And all of you from Aspen, you're all going to come here. <laughs> this is it. I soon as say that. People start coming like, oh, I heard about, you know, this girl, because my location, it's not that great either. I had everything against me. Location is not great. People think that I'm, I'm, I'm doing fried chicken and soul food and I'm not, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get them healthy. So it's like <laughs> my whole thing doesn't <laughs> it didn't make sense. <laughs> so let's talk about the menu. Tell me what you put on the menu that made people come. So what I did is I put something that's I will eat because actually what I did is I, I removed burrito from my menu. Mm-hmm. I went even more healthier because I'm like, you know, you can't do it halfway, you know, obviously my target audience does not want what I I'm giving them. So my target audience is those millionaires, those billionaires. That's what I, I've been catered to. So how do I get them to the business center? So I put a lot of advertisement out there. I mean, I did a lot of events for free. Okay. I, I was everywhere. Mm. You name me. I didn't make any money, but I was everywhere. 
And then little by little, people came, you know, and people loved it. They're like, oh, my God, this is the best lunch I ever had, best salad, oh my, you know. I'm like, yeah, I'm making the bread myself. <laughs> people say, okay, can you do this for the airport? You know, we, we're leaving with a private jet. Can you make this plate for us? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then someone said to me, have you thought about making food for, for the airport, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, tell me more. <laughs> and I started making it. And that actually was kind of my savior because, you know, private jets, a little plate costs so much more than 10 bucks. Mm. You know, a sandwich, a sandwich that I will sell uh, $11, that same sandwich is sold for $28 on a private jet. Mm. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm doing charity here and here I'm making money. I think this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. You know, I, I say my cuisine is um, French Mediterranean with an African flair. Mm. Um, the African flair just came in, you know, three years ago. Okay. But it was mainly French Mediterranean, clean, you know, good ingredient. Mm. And so during the pandemic, I heard that you started making granola. Can you tell me a little bit about those products? You did yes. grain-free yes. and hemp nola. So let's hear about that. Yeah. So basically, I used to make granola. I used I made granola for myself because I'm gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a choice. It's not, you know, I felt better because I don't digest none of the stuff, you know. Right. Uh, so the store i went to whole food and i couldn't find any healthy granola the healthiest granola had so much sugar mm. i couldn't believe it yes it was delicious but you put a bowl of sugar in your mouth <laughs> so that didn't work and then full of oats so i've been making granola for myself you know i'm geared to a vegetarian vegan and all that i love all that and then i started making the granola and i've been making it for years so covid hit I make granola for myself. And then when I have a little leftover, I put it in a Ziploc bag and I put it, I put a tag on it. People want to take care of it, they take it. So during the pandemic, everything is shut down. I made the granola. I didn't even have time to help myself for my for myself. Mm-hmm. Apparently a lady came and she bought the whole thing. And I'm like, why did someone hoard my granola? Literally, that's what I say. I'm like, I didn't even. <laughs> Who told you to sell it? I was mad at the server. And then another, her friend came. She's like, oh, we heard this granola is amazing. We want some granola. And I was like, I didn't have any price on this granola because I had some requirement for myself. You know, one of the things that I did, I'm like, okay, I want the nut to be fresh, less than a year old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because this is where people get you. You know, nobody put a label or a, uh, expiration date on the nuts especially when you you know you go to the machine and you you get the nut i'm like where is the expiration date that big thing been sitting there stale for years and they give it to us and they charge us so i have all these requirements for myself and uh I the granola and i'm like i don't even think i can make that for everybody because it's it's not cost effective mm. we shut down and i'm like everybody's like oh my God, we need to do something. We, we didn't have the, our PPP yet. And I'm like, 
Yo, y'all want to make granola? <laughs> Let's try granola. At least maybe I can pay you and I can pay until we get the PPP, you know, and tell everybody we, we, we're selling granola. And then we started making granola. And, and I remember it was one of the most spiritual thing I ever done. Okay, because I, I gather my team because honestly, I was going to lay everybody off and I didn't want to mm-hmm. while I was waiting for the people to arrive we, because we didn't get anything. We didn't get a break and we got our PPP like three months after. Right. So it was, it was, and I'm like, I am not going down like this. Let's try this granola thing. And I'm not going down like this. And because my business was starting to be great. Everybody was coming, Mawa, Mawa's Kitchen, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Okay, I, I start really doing well. And then it's this COVID thing, show up at my door like I invited them. And I'm like, oh, not today, Mm-mm. not today, not tomorrow. Let's try things. Because, you know, I remember, you know, it's not defeated. Let's try. I'm going to try everything I, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we started the granola. So we, I say, everybody, we're going to do everything by hand, like I, I, I used to do. And then we're going to give blessing to people while doing our granola because those people keep us alive. So we, we got the nuts and then we put everything together. I, I was adamant about being healthy. No oats, no, you know, only healthy ingredient, no refined sugar. You need to be vegetarian, vegan. So that's how we started to make granola. Mm. And then it became this thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then I was like, okay, so the granola is working. That's great, everybody. I mean, people bought bags. Like, like because also that's the only thing that wasn't perishable. Right. So at least we had something at home that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, because when the order from Mawa's Kitchen, you had to eat it, you know, right away. This one, because, you know, I mean, people were hoarding uh, toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. So anything that was not perishable was very welcome and especially healthy uh, because people were confined. So the the granola it, it was off the charts and we added different flavor i have out of africa um, for the chocolate lover mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's no chocolate in there you know because i was like anything processed cannot go in my granola it's only like cocoa a pure cocoa powder hibiscus tamarind all those healthy things from africa i really took it from my country uh because i always remember you know the group of women sitting there and making food and talking and they're so happy you know it wasn't a chore for them it was just you know they wanted to, to feed people and i realized that there is a synergy between Handmade things. After that, I mean, once mm-hmm. it was over, you started the mm-hmm. crepe shack, or is that was that at the same time? The, the, the crepe shack was already there. The okay. crepe shack was already there. What I was doing, Mawas, when I came back from Tony Robin, mm-hmm. and I was full of force, and I started the crepe shack. 
you know, we started slow. It wasn't because it was in the place that it wasn't very busy. And of course, today is crazy. Mm. It's busy. Even with COVID, it's doing very well. So is there one location of Crepe Shack? And one so lo- we, have one, we have one location right now, but we will have a second location this summer. Oh. And uh, last year, I was supposed to have another location, but um, it fell through in Denver uh, because I didn't have enough time. Mm. Because I really wanted to focus on new packaging for my granola and get a factory here. Because um, several people asked me to to make it, you know, in a really big, you know, having all the store. And I refused to change the process. Mm. I wanted to be handmade. I wanted, you know, there's a lot of things that I refuse. So I wanted to control the production. Right. Okay. So I have my own little factory here in Aspen. The only one. <laughs> <laughs> So we're making the granola, we're sitting there and chatting and putting music and we talk about our story. It's such a, I'm telling you, it, it, it's just amazing. It sounds very rewarding. Wow. Yes. Yes. That's the funny. Yes, absolutely. Because you know what? Every time I finish a batch, you know, I have a thought for the person that's going to eat it. Mm. You know, and, and it's such a, it is very rewarding. <laughs> <That's what> <laughs> <laughs> do you sell it only in Aspen or do you sell it like mail order through? Uh... We sell it mail order. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a website people can order from. Oh. I sell it also a couple store in Denver, a juice store, um, because our granola is very expensive to be made. So the granola, it's not. It's not going to be $4. It's not, that's not, okay. It's a very healthy, um, because it's, it's, it's $16, mm. you know, for an ounce bag. So I always say you'd feed your inside <laughs> with good ingredient. Yeah, for sure. So February is Black History Month, which shouldn't just be one month, but, you know, that's what it's designated as. So are you marketing any of your businesses in any way that coincide with Black History Month? Actually, this year I did. I, I went the extra mile, mm-hmm. okay? Because I, quite frankly, I never, I, yes, we have Black History Month, but I never really connected with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I know about it, but I never did anything for it. And this year I decided I'm going to do something. I try to find, I'm like, okay, I'm sure I'm not the only black business owner in Aspen. I need to find some other people. Mm. I'm sure there is. Okay. And and I want I want I want people to know about them. Okay. Um there's a, a couple that came from um from Atlanta that owned a store. Uh, he's white and, and he the other one is, is black and I wanted to feature them on my website. And also I went the extra mile to put soul food. We have a soul food menu just for this month. Oh, things that I usually don't do. This is the funny. Everybody that know me, I'm like, ah, no, no fried chicken. No, no, no. 
<laughs> um, I wanted, and I'm like, because Aspen doesn't have any soul food or comfort food. You know, you can have that. So I, I'm putting, I have gumbo on the menu. So each week we have something different. Uh-huh. So we had great shrimp and grits. Was that I managed to throw some vegetable in there? Nice. <laughs> um, we had some uh, fried fried chicken, but the chicken is very, you know, it's Amish chicken. We kind of, I wanted the healthiest possible. <laughs> well, everyone likes to indulge every once in a while, even if you exactly, eat. exactly. And then now uh, we have gumbo, uh, seafood, and then shrimp. And uh, sorry. Seafood and chicken gumbo. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have a couple African, like chicken mafe, um, fonio. It's, it's an African grain. So I'm introducing Aspen to all this culture, all these things that, you know, they're not used to. And I even had oxtail. <laughs> wow. So every week we have a different, like, um, menu and it's fun and people been loving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been am- the, the response been amazing. Well, because and I'm so- winter too, you know, and after skiing, yes. that kind of food is really very comforting. And I didn't know I can eat fried chicken here. <laughs> I think I'm gonna keep on the menu. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting how much you you know you've like changed. Every, you know, I mean, you went through a lot of different phases, it seems. So what, what is next yes. for Mawa? What is next for me? Honestly, I want to empower other people, other people like me. And, and I want to teach about the process, you know, because I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get, I had to go and find the answer myself. Mm. And I, I think if someone would have told me, you know, all the things that I went through, kind of kind of normal, you know, I will face adversity. I will, you know, I will struggle with things. You know, I would have been better prepared. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess I needed a mentor. Right. And, you know, I, thank God I decided, okay, I don't know, I need to go. I was good at go finding the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, what next? It's to empower other people. To keep growing my business, you know, make sure that Oprah's gonna come and see me one of these days. That would be awesome. <laughs> so yeah. when you say grow your business, are you talking about Crepe Shack or Mawa's Kitchen or both? Mawa's Kitchen, there's only one Mawa's Kitchen is gonna be Aspen. Oh. That's the only one we are going to do. I'm not planning on opening any other, but Expanding the granola worldwide, you know, having whole food everywhere, you know, really make sure that everybody have access to it, to my love and my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the crib shack. Yes, I want the crib shack to become like a shake shack. Mm, cool. If yeah. it works for shake shack, it works for the crib shack. Mm. And they're very, I mean, there are so many things you could do with crepes, you know, from yes. lunch to dinner. and Exactly. And, and the, the combination, it's unless, unless, because the, the, the funniest thing is, so I'm looking at everywhere I go, you have like five different burger places. I'm like, how many burgers do we need in America? You have the Five Guys, you have Shake Shack, you have McDonald's. 
Yeah, Burger King. I mean, how many burger <laughs> combination do we need? I'm like, have something else. Have a crepe. You know? It, the, the crepe is the new tacos. You know? Right. Because it is such a it, it's so much more versatile. And and you know, it's not because people have this idea, oh crepe or oh, Nutella crepe. No. Crepe is not only Nutella crepe. In France, crepe is a religion. You know, we go to a creperie, you know, we put all the combination. We have buckwheat crepe. You have, I mean, it's such a, we, it's our taco. We stuff it with whatever we want. Right. And it's healthier, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm trying to do the same thing. Like here we have so many different, I, I even have jerk, jerk uh, crepe. Mm. You know, jerk chicken crepe. Um, we have a Colorado bison crepe. Mm. And we have three different batter. We have buckwheat. We have garbanzo flour batter. And then you have your regular. And it's Bob Red Meal. You know, I wanted organic. Mm. So, again, the health component of it, you know, the nourishment component of it is very important to me. I wanted to make sure that I don't just open a crepe shack. Thanks so much, Mawa. I really enjoyed hearing about your inspirational journey. Please join us for more episodes of Menu Feed as we explore trends with chefs and restaurateurs. You can listen to this podcast and past episodes on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts. 